Hi, and welcome back to the Think Bigger series. Um, it's good to be back. It has certainly been a while since uh, Philippa and I last recorded um, one of these. I take my hat off to those individuals who are doing it on a daily basis, never mind um, what we plan to do. So, hi, Philippa. Good to hi, be back. Hi, Jacob. Good, yeah, really, really good to be back. It's been a while, right? <laughs> yeah, I think, unfortunately, um, yeah, COVID um, and life has sort of got in the way. We've been absolutely mad busy and I literally just can't believe it's May already. But it's just so good to be back and just start to chat about different topics again. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. And it just goes to show, like, we're human. You know, we're not just some famous voices at the end of a podcast. Jokes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, it has. It's been mental. It's been absolutely crazy. Like, personal life, just getting back out there. Um, and it does seem like, you know, it has been ages. But I still, I, you know, I was at a medical centre yesterday. And it's still like, no, COVID is still there. Like, masks on having to declare that you don't have anything wrong with you, you know, anti-backing your hands and stuff. And I think while so many things have moved forward so much, it's still there, isn't it? And it's it just shows how actually relatively in time, we're, we're still pretty close to it, really. Um, yeah, I mean, Gogglebox reruns, Gogglebox <laughs> reruns are still showing, you know, talking about COVID and lockdowns. So uh, we can't be too far away. No, no. It. But, but it's really good to be back. And I think it's quite an interesting uh, topic we've got lined up. And I think it's definitely something that's, uh, that we've impact, we felt the impact of, but also our yeah. market has as well. So, yeah, I'm excited to, uh, to discuss it today and get, and get back to podcasts. Look at you building the tension. What are we going to talk about? I feel like we need a, <laughs> we need a, drum, a drum roll now. Um, candidate yeah. attraction and retention, yeah? Yeah, so um, we recently did a report, um, which we've started to issue out um, to a few of our clients and our network. So we work really closely with new scientists and we've put together a market report around candidate attraction and retention. And I think for us, we just felt it was a really relevant and really important topic. I mean, we've talked about this before, but I think definitely in the market at the moment, it's really challenging. And I know that candidates have felt the challenges, our clients have but also us within sort of SRG and Impelum have really felt the impact of candidate attraction and retention. So, yeah, I just thought it'd be good if we could talk through the report today and just have a chat about some of the topics that it's raised. Yeah, sound, sounds good. Um, so I'll, I'll kick off then with, I guess, two things to say. The first of which is when we're, it's going to be hard for us today. So we're talking about candidate attraction and retention. First of all, it's really hard. You've got to have, definitely have your teeth in to say it. Um, but secondly, <laughs> secondly, there are so many elements to it. You know, we, we could easily drift onto EVP, talk just about culture, values, money, pay. So I think we'll probably touch upon some of those things and, and we'll really try to, to link it all back into this attraction and retention. Um, and three key facts then to kick us off to set the scene on average every time somebody walks out of a job it's costing that business five thousand dollars yes i know we're in the uk i'm, I'm saying dollars but believe it or not we've got a global audience philippa um 75 <laughs> percent of employees are thinking about quitting their job for a better offer and then I will loop in culture because I think this does form part of both attraction and retention mm. is companies with a better culture 
do increase their revenue by up to four times the amount. And that was from a Gallup study. So really interesting facts. They set the tone for our discussion. So you talked about the report. I know there's some good headings that we could probably use to guide us through this a little bit. Do you want to kick us off, Philippa? Um, yeah, sure. So um, this we got a response from, I think it was just over 4,300 people. So it's quite a good pool of people. Um, the majority of those were in the UK, um, some were in the rest of Europe and the US. And we tried to capture respondents from across the whole STEM market. So academia, engineering, pharma, biotech, medtech. Um, and we tried to really get a good um a good sort of cross-section of results. Um, so one of the key things we were really interested to sort of understand is what attracts a person to an employer. Um, obviously, there's a whole variety of things that are important um, to the respondents. So work-life balance, an attractive salary and benefits, um, challenging work, flexibility, recognition. What was really interesting is many of the respondents did rank work-life balance as being their most important factor. Um, but almost equally, many people actually rank that right down at the bottom. And I think what the results really demonstrated is that we just need to have a variety of elements and we need to offer all of those things to really make sure that we attract and retain good talent. Um, you know, it really just emphasised the fact that one size, you know, doesn't fit all. Yeah, I think that's so true. I was on one of our Impelum Innovation Hubs, I think they're called. And I think it was Danny Cohen who was talking about it over in the US for, for, for STEM. And he was talking about the four-day week. And when you talk then about work-life balance and stuff, this four-day week, right? I know some companies are doing it, others, others aren't, etc. And, I mean, you and I were chatting the other day, completely unrelated, and you were talking about how some companies that you're speaking to could feel, can feel pressured. Mm. um in, into doing it and it does come back to that tying everyone with the same brush and yeah you're absolutely right that just that fact alone that not everyone put work-life balance at the top is almost more powerful than if they had because actually it just shows that not everyone's the same we remind ourselves again we are people we are all different and for example a, a four-day week for me I look at it and go yeah that could be great but then you think about actually the impact of that. It's not tested. Um, mm. This is what Danny Cohen was saying. And we're all different people and we shouldn't just, you know, I guess just change because it's the, the tide or in vogue at the moment to do it, right? Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, if, if, if we're really passionate about attracting a diverse workforce, we need to reflect that with mm. a divert, diverse approach to how we attract and retain people in those companies and, and absolutely work-life balance may be really important to one employee, but actually that career progression or that recognition may be really important to somebody else. But I think having a combination of those and having a variety of those has got to be the right step forward. And you often do see almost like a bit of a knee-jerk reaction by companies. Um, people don't seem satisfied, right, let's give them some more money, which in the short term, might be a good fix but I think long term you're not going to get those levels of engagement and retention that you're seeking and I think it's just about recognizing that variety and yeah one size doesn't fit all I think the result you know that statement is so powerful um so yeah that was one of the key sort of findings from the report uh, which kind of follows on nicely with job satisfaction and 
I don't know, maybe I was a bit naive to this, but I was quite, I was quite um, surprised by the high levels of dissatisfaction from respondents. Um, on average, about 35% of people's surveys said they were looking to change roles this year. Um, and a lot of the dissatisfaction okay. was linked to how their employer had dealt with COVID, um, not just during COVID, but post-COVID. I guess we're sort of in a post-COVID era, although, as you said earlier, there's still lots of elements about it. But, yeah, so there's. I guess what that says is that potentially people in your business may be looking to leave, but equally that's also telling you that there is going to be some new talent coming onto the market. So what can you then do, I guess, to attract, to attract that talent? So I thought that was quite interesting, and I, I, I personally was quite surprised that the, the percentage was so high. Yeah, no, me too. And I do want to touch on that satisfaction piece. When you were talking before, and just to go back one step to what attracts a person to a role, before we then move on to, to satisfaction, if I, if I can ask you, Philippa, I know you've been here a long time, you know, cut you open, SRG. Um, <laughs> I can't remember how many years it is now, but it's it's a fair few. We won't give away your, your age. Um, what attracts you to a role? Um, well, I think the question more is what's kept me at SRG. And I think what's kept me at SRG, um, I think it's got to be the people. Obviously, salary and benefits are really important and we want to feel financially rewarded for what we do. But for me, it's about people. It's about the leadership. Um, and, and that's what's kept me at SRG, the people that I work with. Um, I definitely think the way in which we think about what we're going to do next, that sort of future thinking approach that SLG has. And I think that's just given me the confidence that I'm working for somebody that understands the market. Um, we're not afraid to change as well. I, like, I love that about SLG. But I think it's the people and the leadership that's really kept me there. And I guess the communication um, that we have across the business, they're probably the really important things for me. Yeah, I, I'd I'd have to be working with people that are very like minded and, and really have that clear vision. Okay, that's that's cool. That's cool and interesting. And then mine, because we just talked about diversity, mine would be. It would have been really awkward now if we were identical, right? So mine <laughs> is actually the autonomy that I think the business gives gives individuals, and the freedom to be an independent. And what I mean by that is independent in thought. Um, to be able to, Kelly uses the expression and, and I use it to give people their wings to be able to find themselves and do mm. what they want to do. That's really important to me. And that was the big thing when I can remember running from Liverpool Street Station, covered in sweat, rocking up into, into Impella with an office in London. And Kelly's there to, to interview me. And I'm like, late, missed my train, couldn't find the office. And the one thing I definitely remember sticking is Kelly's expression, like give you give you your wings to be able to really lead how I wanted to lead. And, and that for me mm. was the biggest um, motivator to, to move to SRG. And mm. um, to be honest, remuneration, but not from a greed perspective, from a security perspective, knowing that we're paying people and remunerating people fairly. Um, and I think finally, the core belief that I think through COVID, a lot of companies lost um, because you're not in the offices, you're not constantly there with your colleagues. It's been really hard to try and maintain that for some businesses. I appreciate that. But really that core value, and I, I'm going to use this expression, the geekiness of SRG within recruitment, um, because I don't think we are a typical recruitment agency. That culture of 
um, and like-minded people that you can geek out a little bit with mm. was really important to me as well. Um, so yeah, they were my three. So straight away, just in our small sample of two people, our motivations, whilst there are some similarities, and I guess you'd expect that from working in the same company, it's why we're both retained in our business, um, they are different, right? Yeah, definitely. And I, but, but I agree with a lot of what you say and, and at the risk of, um, you know, this becoming an I Love SRG podcast, I could list out so many other reasons as to why I've stayed here. And actually my reasons for staying at SRG vary year on year. And I think that's a really key point as well. You need to give, you know, the reasons will change per person, but they'll probably change throughout their career. What was, you know, when I first started at SRG, my motivators, and what was important to me are completely different to what they are now. And yet definitely security is one for me. I think overall, I just love the fact that I feel like I can be my authentic self at SRG. And I think that's a really rare thing. You know, I, often there's a misconception that, you know, because SRG is quite big and we're part of Impelum, that, you know, it's really corporate and we just get told what to do all the time. But actually, it couldn't be any different from that. I feel like we can be ourselves and we can let mm. our personality come out, not just in communicating with our colleagues, but actually in how we approach our work. And I guess it fits back to that autonomy. Um, but yeah, absolutely. I think there's, you know, I could list so many more things out, but they definitely change year on year. And I think that comes back to the fact that, you know, that one size doesn't fit all. So the two aren't exclusive, are they? Attraction and retention are not exclusive. Like, they go so hand in hand. If you're able to recruit truthfully and attract the right individuals truthfully in your business that are aligned to your company, then you are more likely to retain them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Yeah, that's so true. And I think it's important that people recognise that because as soon as you make that connection... Even if things aren't going well with how you attract and retain, it's about looking at those, thinking, right, what's working, what isn't working, and then what can we do to fix this? It's just, and you've got to keep looking at that as well. It's got to be something that you regularly review. Mm. And you, and I think if you can get why you want people to be retained in your business and identify that, then you can almost kind of reverse engineer it to go, okay, well, this is what we need to think about when we're attracting people. These are the core values and how we want to retain someone. So I think if you reverse engineer that thinking, then actually maybe you'd have more success in your hiring um, of individuals. So if I'm working with a company, for example, what we'll look at is we'll really look at the, the values, the core beliefs, um, the, the mission of that, of that company, and then we'll utilize that to attract rather than thinking, okay, how do we attract people in the business? Um, right now we've got them how do we retain them Mm. so I think that reverse engineering piece is really key for businesses especially at the moment so you touched on satisfaction and I recently wrote um, in our marketing department an article on why money doesn't motivate employees Um, and I'll touch upon some key points of that but satisfaction wise really important it's the second part was there anything key that stood out for you, Philippa? And I know I interjected on it earlier. Um, I, guess, I guess it was interesting how a lot of the dissatisfaction um, was linked back to the pandemic. I mean, that has been such a, a key change for everyone. And I think it was a real test for companies, um, particularly. So I think the handling of that has played a massive, massive part in how satisfied some you know people are, certainly from doing my job day to day. 
Um, less so now, but certainly last year, a lot of um, candidates, if they were looking to move on, um, a lot of it was linked to how they'd you know, been treated, how they've been looked after, you know, around flexible working, well-being. So it, it is quite interesting. And I think companies need to really recognise that when there are significant changes or impacts, how they respond to those has such a big impact on that satisfaction and that retention. Mm. Mm, definitely definitely and i think the statistic to look at that is, is one that that we looked at when we were just sort of um trying to piece this piece together around you know why money doesn't just motivate employees and it's not that it doesn't it's actually about not being the only not being the only factor to it so again it comes back to that thinking of we're all, we're all different but the key thing for me was that 15 percent of today's workforce feel um unmotivated um, whereas 62% of leaders, sorry, feel motivated. 15% of today's workforce feel motivated, but mere feel motivated by the work they do. And 62% of leaders um, feel as though they are putting engagement in values, et cetera, et cetera, and employee uh, motivation at the forefront of what they do. So the two statistics don't add up. If 62% of leaders believe that, but only 15% of the, of, of the workforce feel motivated, then I think there's a, a, a little bit here that it could become a tick box exercise. And, mm. uh, uh, you know, another tick box exercise would be talking about sort of mental health um, awareness week. Um, and I know Hannah here put a post last week that got some good engagement around people going, good point, because mental health doesn't just last for one week. Yes, we shine a light on it for one week, but it doesn't just one week. And no, I think when absolutely. we're talking about how we are retain our staff and some of the key activities around it, um, maybe it's done as a tick box exercise. It's actually the embedding piece that I think is really important. And I think that's how you do retain your staff and therefore attract them. And I think what we have to do and business needs to do is really look at the core beliefs of the company um, look at the values and make sure that they are that they're very clear and then hire against those um, that will automatically increase your retention retention of those that are working with you directly and indirectly because they're not transactional they're not transactional relationships then you're not just paying somebody a salary to come and do a job you're paying somebody a remuneration to come and do a job in a business that they believe in and I think that is really important, especially when we're looking at like Gen Z now um, and the, you know, McKinsey did a study on, you know, employees living their purpose. Mm. Um, and then I think it's like five times more likely um, to have like increased well-being. They're much more engaged. Um, so, yeah, I think that's the, the link for me with satisfaction for sure. Yeah, I mean, just to continue with the job satisfaction, it was interesting because the report also um, indicated that men were more satisfied than women in their jobs across your, the rest of Europe and the US. Um, where actually in the UK, there was an equal percentage of men and women that reported to be happy in their jobs. Um, so I thought that was quite interesting. And in terms of sectors, uh, the sector with the highest proportion of satisfied respondents in the UK was very much the biotech at 73%. So again, I thought that was interesting. You know, I do a lot of work within sort of biotechs and startups. Um, but also... Why do, you think, why do you think that is then? Why do you think that is? 
I mean, obviously, this is an assumption of mine. I think certainly from my observations of that part of the market is, I think when you go into a startup and a biotech, obviously, it, you know, it's a smaller setup. So essentially, you're a bigger fish in a smaller pond. And, you know, they're trying to grow and expand things. So I think that whole um, attraction piece is much more appealing because you're joining something that's growing, something that's that you can contribute and be part of. And I think also you're coming into a company Often I find with some of our biotechs, they've got very, very clear brands and cultures, but you can also be contributing to to that as well. So I feel like people feel they get more job satisfaction. They feel more inclusive. They feel more involved as opposed to maybe coming into a more established company where those processes have already been outlined and agreed. But that's just my sort of take on it. You know, people may have a different view but I do think biotech gives you a bit more of a platform to be more creative in your role and contribute more which then feeds into things like career progression flexibility that stimulating and challenging work you know not just focusing on money you know and benefits I don't disagree with you at all I think one of the things that also is very easy to do is measure culture measure the values of a person in a biotech Mm. It's, it's a fresh business normally mm. and it's going to be at the epicenter they know why they started they know the type of people they want to come in they know the thinking so they hire them those individuals are more aligned they are therefore retained when you then go to the big farmer or bigger companies medium to big you've got so many different ways of thought you've got such a diverse culture in sub teams etc that it becomes much harder to try and aligned to it so i think that could be another factor that's at play there and as to why those individuals feel satisfied because it's so clear like how many times have we been on calls with biotechs they're like we need this 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 we need you know somebody that's not pigeonholed somebody that can wear different many hats somebody Mm, that mm. you know it's creative thinking and it's so clear to when you talk to people that are like that to do it and to find them yeah definitely and I think also as well certainly when I look at the Cambridge market you know it's a crowded market and I think it's so important as a biotech that you're really you know you're really clear about what your technology is what's your platform how does it differ from your competitors and a competitor should I say and it's about really talking about the science you know what what is your science what's your niche area of the market because people want to understand who it is they're working for what is it mm. that they will be involved in, especially in that crowded market? I mean, if we if we look at that candidate market at the moment, every candidate we're speaking to, you know, has two, three, four other opportunities on the table. And there needs to be those distinguishing factors between those companies in order to attract that talent. What makes you different? And be really, really clear about that from the very first point that that person engages with your brand right you know right through the whole process um so yeah I, I wasn't you know completely surprised that biotech featured so highly interestingly though in the us around 88 percent of those working in the pharma sector said they were happy in their jobs so certainly definitely different trends across the pond um but yeah job satisfaction uh, was an area that we covered um we did also um look at changes to ways of working um and sort of the different working methods and unsurprisingly um you know remote working uh, hybrid working features really highly now um 55 percent of the respondents now either work in a hybrid 
or a fully remote role and you know there's just been a complete change in the landscape now of how people work and where they work and I think there's very much that mindset that your job is an occupation now you know not a location Mm. I think um what was it I heard the other day and I am just trying to remember this I haven't got it written down or anything so bear with me for a second (laughs) but it was something about lack loss of identity and I think it, it it does tie into this around when you said then about jobs, not space, not a location. It was um, what like as a, if you if you are someone, um, what do you do? Oh, I am a. That was it. I'm a recruiter. We'll just go with that. No, you're not. You're you're not a recruiter. You work as a recruiter, but it's not you. There's so many different elements to you than just what your job is. And I think that that has like changes the way of working. That's really made me think as well about, no, I'm not just an operations director. You know, hi, Jacob, what do you do? Oh, I'm an operations director. No, I work as an operations director. That's not who I am. I'm also a father. Um, I don't know if I should admit it. I'm, I'm, I'm also a gamer. Um, <laughs> you know, there's a lot of other things I enjoy doing. And um, I think that's, that's the same with work, right? I think there has been a tidal shift in people not wanting to just go and sit in their cars for an hour and a half in the morning doing a commute or whatever it be, or on the way home. Um, You're hybrid, are you, Philippa? Do you do some time office and some time at home? Yeah, I very much have adopted um, a hybrid model of working. So what I've again, what's been great is that we've been super flexible across the business. And, and certainly what I've encouraged with my team is if people want to go into work five days a week, they absolutely can. If they want to work completely remotely, they absolutely can. But the majority of us have opted for hybrid and it just allows people to sort of pick and choose days. So we and it's good as well because it allows us to come together as a team at some points during the week. But it also allows people to have that freedom um and it, and it's been really interesting because certainly in my job I, I i felt myself being more organized in terms of aligning certain tasks depending whether i'm in the office or not and that's been really interesting and i feel like i've got a lot more productive i feel like i'm spending the right amount of time in the right environment on certain tasks and i don't know if that's something that you've done but i've naturally just fallen into that pattern and just taking out some commuting time I've also found that I'm I'm taking, um, you know, proper lunch breaks and, you know, whether that's been going for a walk in my local village. But just I just feel like I get to the end of the working week. I don't feel as exhausted. I don't feel as drained and I actually feel quite satisfied. I feel like I've achieved what I wanted to do in the same number of hours um, without that sort of feeling of being really tired and stressed at the end of the work. So week. interesting. So interesting. Because... We're going to have three different stories now, and like, well, there's only there's only two of you on the call. Yeah, because I was speaking with someone the other day, so sales director here in Pelham, and um, she's about travelling now. So last couple of years, obviously, got down, not travelling as much. She's back travelling. I asked her how she's finding it. Where's the time gone? Like, where is the time gone? The productivity that in in certain tasks that that individual was having through lockdown like they're having to work so much longer hours now because of the time spent traveling and um is finding that much harder um to get everything done in, in in the confined time of of a day um and then for myself who is home working um with some travel minimal still 
um, really going to the offices because I've got into the habit of there's not as much need, but I do want to increase that um, again. But it's just that there are other patterns with, of life that have now happened through COVID that I'm going to have to try and break to be able to do it, i.e. parental duties or whatever. Um, but I get massive Teams fatigue, as in Microsoft Teams meetings, video call fatigue. Like today, I've been on back-to-back video calls before this and then doing our recording of the podcast since 9.30 this morning. And what are we now? Um, 3.30. So that's just constant. And um, we started a bit late because I had to go and grab some food, didn't I? So I think there is like the thought of like getting into an office for me gives me absolute fear around the point of view is how will I get as much done as I've been doing done in a day? Um, If I then got to think of right, two days I'm going to be in an office. So I guess that's the counter side to it or the, the other sort of argument to it, so to speak. Yeah, I, th- I think as well, I think we've just completely changed our mindset. And I think we've been a bit braver now in how we approach work. And it's just giving people that freedom of choice. You know, I- I'm sure some companies, because of the nature of what they do, it's not always possible for people to work from home. But it doesn't, it shouldn't also come down to whether you work at home or you work um, in an office or in a lab. It's just having increased flexibility. I've definitely observed with some of our clients where they've not been able to offer home working because it's a lab and I guess you can't set up an experiment at home, you know, tweaking, tweaking the hours, coming in a bit earlier and finishing earlier. Um, you know, it might be that somebody on a certain day takes a two hour lunch break because they wanted to go and do a yoga class, but they'll, you know, they'll do different lunch breaks on the other days. Or it might just be that, you know, they finish early because they've got a hobby that they've started to do during the pandemic and they want to carry on with it. So mm-hmm. to me, it, it's on so many different levels. And I just think, We've broken down so many um, barriers, so many stigmas that you have to be seen in an office to be seen to be working. Therefore, that equals productivity when actually if people feel more satisfied by the end of the week, you've just got a much more engaged and healthier employee. So it just makes energize and energize. Yeah, you want to get to the end of the week and feel like you've had a good productive week, but you're not completely burnt out because that's no use to anyone. So I think I think it's not just about the at-home versus in the office working. I've seen so many companies be flexible on so many levels, and I think that's so important. If you want to attract and retain staff, you need to be flexible, but also be open to new ideas. You know, keep evolving that flexibility, keep inviting new ideas new suggestions and if you ask your workforces what does flexibility mean to you i guarantee everybody will give you a slightly different answer yeah no i i agree Philip. i wish i could disagree and we could have a right heat stuff in, but <laughs> yeah no, no, we're too agreeable I, aren't we at times <laughs> yeah I, yeah but I, I do and again conversation i had earlier it was great it's like oh i need to get up to london for a couple of meetings and the guy's like you know drop do the school run in the morning and then jump on a train up here could you imagine having that conversation three or four years ago yeah it wouldn't have happened would it you'd have felt nervous i'd have had like clammy hands thinking oh my gosh i've got to organize because i love doing the school run that's something that since covid i've been doing when we were back when my children were back in school it was like right i can i'm going to do the school run i'm working from home not traveling as much my children love it i love it i get so much energy from it Mm. Um, and then I come and I'm just so productive because it's like, right, I've achieved something this morning. Um, and I, and it was great. It was like, yeah, you know what? I can do that. I can get a 9.30 train up to London. Um, 
there's not even the conversation anymore is there around you'll make the time up because I think that flexibility you know they will and I and, and the way I've always led and I enjoy and continue to lead is there's not going to be a problem until we see a significant lack in productivity from our people or they start taking the mick mm. and until that happens I think that extending of trust to people mm. you do get that trust back and I think more workplaces certainly are adopting that and if you're listening and you're not then I think you'll very very quickly fall behind the times um, and you will not retain your people um, within your business yeah definitely um, and I think these days as well I mean I myself I've started doing walking meetings with the guys so I'm like let's not sit down and have this one-to-one in the office let's get outside and let's have a walking meeting um, if I'm thinking about a project or I've got an idea again just walking away from my desk not being tied to my computer Monday to Friday I might go outside or go for a walk and just think through the project what I need to achieve how I could approach that and I think it's about changing your environment I think if you've just got the same environment Monday to Friday I feel like that can hinder your creativity but if you've got different environments different settings yeah, I think it just it just breeds better ideas and better creativity, irrespective of what your job is. Um, but it, I think that's been a massive positive to how certainly COVID has shaped the way in which we work. I mean, naturally, there have been some negatives of COVID in terms of that social isolation. You know, mm-hmm. some people have had increased stress. I think if you've got people working from home, that's great. You've got to make sure you communicate really well with them. You need to check in with them. So, you know, there's definitely lots of positives, but I think companies definitely need to think about some of those other areas to make sure people feel part of something. They still feel engaged um, and that communication has got to be so, so key. And I think just one final comment from me and then I've I've got some direct questions to ask you, Philip. I'll put you on the spot. (laughs) You mentioned then about people feeling engaged. They're working from home. But I think also why are they working from home are they working from home for the right reasons yeah or and it's a really interesting one are people still working from home because it's where they feel comfortable because actually there's some social anxiety there now Mm -hmm. and actually going back into an office feels them with fear and it's just something to think about i'm not saying that's going to impact impact everybody but i think businesses need to be looking at it and going and asking the questions like why what's working for people um, and, and why is it working or why is it not working? And making sure that they're understanding why people need certain adjustments, certain flexibilities, and make sure that it's for healthy reasons, um, not for other other reasons, as, as mentioned. Yeah. So you mentioned three key key sort of areas there that we've covered. Um, top takeaway. Then we'll get back to our takeaways. Um, what attracts a person to a business or talking specifically about attraction of individuals top point for you then on that Philippa um that's a really good question what attracts individuals to companies um I personally think for me um what attracts somebody to a company is having a really for me it's having a really really strong brand and a very clear culture I feel that people need to understand exactly who it is they're going working for um, and, and what that company's purpose is. And does that then align with their values, their beliefs, their motivators? For me, that's a key one. That, that, that's my okay. personal one. And that's what I hear all the time from candidates. 
getting that EVP right. I think for me, <laughs> mine is to make sure that you're reverse engineering it as a business. You're not thinking about attraction first and then how do you retain, but you're thinking about why, what sort of people do we retain in our business? Are they the right, uh, are they the people we want to retain in our business? Yes, they are. Why do they stay here? Okay, let's get that voice out, which is again, forms part of the EVP. Let's get that voice out to the to the wider network to say this is how we attract because you will attract the right people that will that will then be retained in your in your business. Um, job satisfaction. Any any key points on that? Um, I mean, obviously, job satisfaction. I think for me, job satisfaction, well, dissatisfaction is high, um, and there's obviously been a number of factors that have contributed to that. So, certainly, if I was a company listening to this, I'd be thinking twofold: what can I do to keep hold of the people that I I have? Can I identify where there may be dissatisfaction within my business? But also thinking on the flip side that actually there is going to be an influx of talent. People will start applying for jobs if they're not happy where they are. So we need to make sure we position ourselves so that we are perceived as a good employer for, for that talent to want to come and work okay. for us. Okay, good. And my one would be just remember that individuals are individuals. They will have job satisfaction for a number of different reasons. Identify those in your one-to-ones or whatever it may be and make sure that you can offer that. And if you can't offer it, you need to have some good conversations with those people to make sure that if you can, how you can, and if not, then think are they in the right are they in the right position? Um, and then change of ways of working. Um, go on, I'll let you go first again. Um, I guess I guess it comes down to what we said before. It's it, it's all about looking at how flexible you are as a business, looking at different different levels of flexibility and I guess it comes back to that first point we made one size doesn't fit all what's flexible for me may not be for you giving people options I think that's so so important I get a real sense from candidates if they're kind of pushed into this that's the only option on the table take it or leave it you can just feel the disengagement straight away so I think changing ways working flexibility has got to be different levels of flexibility listen to what your employees are telling you and try to be creative with the way we work we, this covid pandemic has shown us we don't all have to be in the office five days a week we can all still be really productive and actually be a lot more engaged so it just shows that change is is often good and is positive so listen to your employees and listen to what what they want and see what you can do to offer them great and i'm going to quote you here um well, actually, I'm going to ask you to repeat your quote for my takeaway, but it's an occup- occupation, not a location. Is that right? That's the one. Yes. Um, yeah. To be fair, I've stolen that from a respondent from the report. Uh, oh, what... you'd have got away with that then. <laughs> no, honestly, it's the best policy. Um, yes, one of the respondents did quote, and I thought it's a really interesting quote. Your job is an occupation, not a location. And I think if COVID has taught us one thing, it's taught us that. And I think if we just keep reminding ourselves of that, we're always going to be thinking what's right for our employees, what's right for our workforce. I love it. You can have the last word there. You summarised it beautifully. <laughs> well, we're back. We're back. We've recorded one. I think we've done all right. Yes, I we think we're too think, rusty. <laughs> I think we got there. And, and, and as you said, this is a topic that's got so many levels to it. And I'm sure we'll start to touch on some of these in future podcasts, um, especially around the culture, the branding, mental health. So, yeah, I think this is, I guess, a continuing conversation. Definitely. Well, it's been a pleasure and um, look forward to chatting on the next one. Yeah. Good to be back. Thanks, Jacob.